0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with a survivor named Daly, and Daly grew up with an abusive older sibling. It's a story of a dysfunctional family staying in contact for the safety of children and healing 32 years of trauma. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad. And thanks for tuning in to this episode. So, what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone. ...who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before we get to our episode with Daily, I just want to first thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community... ...for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review... On whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBots, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star written review if you can, as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently, please do go there if you want to be part of our show. Our website can be reached at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Go there Fill out the guest form, and we will go from there. But another way to be on our show is to also go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com and to read a letter to your narcissist and to be part of our letters to our narcissist compilation episode. We're on compilation episode number five. We have a voicemail recorder on our website. So go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page. It's a floating button. It's hard to miss. You press the button that says send voicemail. It records up to five minutes. If you need more time, press it again. Press it three times. Press it four times. Press it as many times as you need. Also, if you don't want to read your letter yourself, send it to us at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and myself or my old pal Melissa, hey Melissa, will read your letter for you. But what else is going on at our website? I am glad you asked, because this week we added some more t-shirts to our collection. Yes, I made t-shirts this week. Some really cute ones with some, like, really uplifting messages on them. I think they're pretty cool. Anyway, you can go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, click on the Shop button. It'll take you to our store. Buy, buy a shirt. Support the show. And What else? there's other stuff at our website. Yes. Oh my God. NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. We are offering high conflict parenting courses that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. We have partnered with an online parenting company called Online Parenting and many of the courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert In dealing with these individuals in court. And now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And what else do I have on my list? Oh, Here's another way to support the show. Join our Patreon, everyone. Yes, we started a Patreon. If you want to hear episodes that never made it to air, follow-up episodes with former guests, and much, much more, join our Patreon at patreon.com narcissistapocalypse Apocalypse. And what else? What else do I have left here? Oh, here's some more notes. Before we get started on today's show, I just want everyone to know I'm healthy. I don't have COVID. I became... I was negative. I was sick. I was just regular sick. So that is good news right there. I'm happy. I still get to see my family. I don't have to go into uh, hibernation again. So that is good. Uh, Other things about this show specifically. I do want to throw out a trigger warning because there is sexual abuse that is mentioned in the show. It's not uh, abuse in the traditional way that you would uh, think uh, happened, but... Uh, it is part of the show, so there is a trigger warning with that. Uh, and second, you might hear at the beginning of this episode and think to yourself, this isn't abuse. This is just, you know, uh, siblings being siblings or kids being kids. Um, uh, just, you know, keep listening uh, to the story. You know, things here add up. And, you know, it's a really interesting story of how everything evolved. And, you know, when you're a, a child and you're in it, especially for daily you know, within what's happening, when you're a kid, you know something's off, but you can't put anything on it uh, or, or put a finger on it, but you know something really is disturbing what's going on. So it's very scary when you're a child and just kind of keep listening because this story evolves and it's still going on. And I want to thank Daly for sharing her story today. And also, before I get any emails from everyone, I do screw up Daly's name at one point during the show. And the name that I use instead wasn't her real name. I just forgot her name. And <laughs> I forgot the name that we use. So uh, no need to send me emails saying that I uh, used the person's real name because that did happen a few weeks ago. Uh, and I just want to also thank the big uh, BC. You know who you are for pointing that out to me a couple weeks ago and uh, getting, me that, uh, getting me to change that before it became a problem. And now I've talked too much. It's time for me to get out of my way and your way here is my conversation with Daily. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse everyone. With me today, I have Daily. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am great and I'm feeling much better. Compared to how I was feeling last week. And today, everyone out there who is listening to this show, we're going to um, hear a story today about uh, sibling and sibling abuse. And uh, it's something that we don't uh, or haven't really covered on the show that much. Um, but it goes. Um, you know, it it happens a lot in a lot of families and it's not really discussed that much, but it's a, it's a big thing. And, um, unfortunately, uh, Daly is here, uh, to tell us, uh, the story of her life and what she's gone through, what she's currently going through. Um, and I just want to thank you for being part of our, our show today and sharing your story. And, um, you know, without further ado, I'm going to get out of my way and your way daily, the floor is now yours.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I hope that I can help some people with my story because it is an under discussed topic. um, I'll just go into it. I guess I am the youngest of four children. Um, My oldest sister, we'll call her the stable sister. She's eight years older than me. And then I have a brother and he's four years older than me. And then we have the toxic sister. She's two years older than me, and then there's there's me. Um, from forever, my earliest memories are all revolving around the torment that she put me through, and the lack of protection that I received from my parents. I do want to state they're great parents, they're good parents. They did what they could to a point, but there's obviously some things missing there that I that I needed that I need that I didn't get. Um, So that's what I'm dealing with at the moment. And it's just brought up all of the trauma that I didn't really accept or validate for all of these years. I'm 32. So it's been a long road. Um, So, yeah, from the get go, I I was living in a constant state of anticipation, defense, alert. I always knew that she was going to be around the corner, metaphorically, or literally, Because she always was. Um, Always. She used to stare at me. And when I say that to people, they're like, okay. But it was not just look at me. She would sit on the couch next to me. And she would stare at me silently. For a long time. I'm talking an hour or more. Just staring at me. And I would tell my parents, I would tell my mom, and she would just say, ignore her. She'll stop if you ignore her. And that was the worst thing because she wouldn't stop if I ignored her. That made it worse because she wanted me to break. She was trying to break me. And then I would get in trouble when I hit her or whatever, like screamed at her. (sighs) So to this day, if somebody looks at me for three seconds too long, I'm angry and offended. And then I feel less shame because I'm like, that's so insane that I can't have somebody just look at me. But it's because of her. Um, She would even stand at my bedroom doorway when I was trying to go to sleep at night and stare at me. Just in the middle of, not even the middle of the night, like, you know, that in between awake and asleep, she would be staring at me. It wasn't every night. Because she liked to, to you know, keep me on the edge of my seat. Um, that's just one story. <laughs> There's so many more, and they sound so little, but when you add them together, and when you think of yourself as this tiny little person trying to grow up and trying to find yourself, and having this be an integral part of who you're going to be, they add up, and it is an overwhelming feeling. Um, she used to. Uh, like we would get candy from the store or something, a brownie, a hostess, something like that. And we would sit down to eat them. And her, she would, she would say hers was gone. And I would, and then she'd ask me for some of mine and I would try to say no over and over again. And she wasn't being mean per se. She didn't outwardly didn't appear mean she would guilt me because I owed her this because she already ate hers. You know, she just wanted what I had. So then I would give in and I would give her half of my candy and she'd eat it. And then she'd pull out her whole candy bar or her whole brownie because she didn't eat hers. And then she would eat hers in front of me and not give me any. (laughs) That was a a regular thing. That happened a lot. And the fact that I continued to give her my candy or brownie. I don't even know what, like from an early age, she was gaslighting me. Like, like we were little, <laughs> like little, little. I mean, she might've been like eight, so that would make me six. And this went on until probably, I don't even know, 12, 13, and, and, because that's when it got
0: different. And these are things that for a lot of people, you know, maybe a sibling might do something, uh, you know, yeah. like, oh, it's siblings being siblings. But, you know, Mm -hmm. when they continually happen and they're constantly – and no one's doing anything about it, the behavior Mm -hmm. um, just continues, bad behavior without being – what's the best way to put it? With no repercussions or being reprimanded in any Mm -hmm. sort of way. So, you know, with these little tiny things that are are continuing – What did your, what do your parents say?
2: Uh, So they would
1: reprimand her for her, not even reprimand. She used to throw the most over the top insane, screaming on the floor, kicking holes in the wall over little tiny things that didn't necessarily involve anybody, but like if we didn't play the game, she wanted to play or something. Things like that. I don't, it was just a teeny things. She'd throw insane fits for hours and hours and hours. Um, so they would handle that. I will give them that. They would put her in her room. They would shut the door. They would be very firm indeed. you cannot come out of here when you're acting this way. But it's like, that's all they had the energy to do. So the torment towards me, like mainly towards me, there were, some things she would do to the stable sister, not the brother. Um, They just didn't do anything. They didn't do anything because siblings will be siblings, but this was not
0: that. So I guess my next question would be um, at what age uh, during this time while this is going on, do you say to yourself, because you have zero frame of reference, um uh-huh. that this is not normal behavior at, at a very young age oh, what was the earliest age that that ever that popped into your head
1: i would say it would it would be when i could see my friends interact with their siblings so i had to have been young um probably 8
2: 9
1: okay. i have a daughter and i look at her and that It it triggers something for me with her because that's when it started to get to the point that I was like, this is not okay. And then when I became an adolescent, it was my norm and I didn't even know that it wasn't normal, if that makes sense. Like I knew it was wrong, but it went on for so long that at some point I didn't think it was wrong. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So I I apologize uh, when I I interrupted there. So um, um, uh, I guess continue from um, the... The torment. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: The torment.
1: (laughs) So one of the worst things that she did to me, um, so I couldn't control anything in my life. That's what it felt like. I felt like I was... Just everything was out of my control all the time. The only thing I could control. And I'm still this way to this day. I like my things a certain way. I like to make them look pleasing to me. I like to decorate. I like things. I I like my things. And I would have my room set up. And she would come in my room. And she would, one by one, throw my things on the ground. One by one. Or she would come in and she would like sweep her arm across like you would at, on a table or whatever. She would do that to me. I can't even tell you how many times, over and over and over, because it was the one thing that I could control. But then she took that from me too. And again, she was never punished for this ever.
0: So at a certain, that was hard. So, so at what age would she do that?
1: This was from the get-go. Okay. This was from little... mm -hmm.
0: So, well, you know, besides... And then she did
1: stop at some point. I don't know when, but...
0: But that's, like, doing that is, like, um, with your things, like, it's bully behavior.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and these were all at the same time. The staring, the wanting my candy, the ruining my room. Um, Yeah, she was bullying me. But on such a manipulative, deep level that what's the step above bully? Abuse. I guess mm-hmm. so that, you know, and then I would do everything for her. You know, she'd say, go get me a glass of water or go make me lunch or go do this, go do that. And I would just get up and do it like without a second thought. I would just go do it. It was easier to, or she was in charge of me in a way, I guess, but so I would just do it. Yeah. I mean, that just kept going on. Um, I do want to say that not everything was bad. She does have good somewhere. I feel like the older she gets, the less good she has. But she wasn't all bad. You know, we did, we had good times. We used to play Barbies together and we've always kind of shared the same friend groups, um, which all eventually fall apart because she is who she is. But, you know, I do love her. I don't like her anymore, but we used to have really good times. Um, But yeah, recently, as of late, the bad definitely outweighs any of the good, and I don't know that there's any good left in there, Mm -hmm. which is heartbreaking. And um, yeah. So yeah, that was my whole childhood, just constant bullying, bullying constant torment, no help, no protection. And she did, like I said, she didn't just do this to me. I took the brunt of it for sure, but she would torment her friends. (laughs) And then she would torment the stable sister and, um, and she would like steal her clothes, things like that. You know, it was a different level, but she didn't, she did it to other people too. And yeah, her friends, all of that. And then we have a grandma who is also a narcissist. I should have mentioned that. We have a grandmother, my maternal grandmother. And um, she would come over and she would save the rest of us by taking the toxic sister for the weekend. But really, in reality, that was rewarding her and punishing us because we didn't get to go have fun. She got to. She was able to be removed from this situation. So that, that was often too. That happened a lot because my parents needed help. They needed help. But so, I mean, as a, as an adult and as a parent, I can understand needing help, but she needed help and they didn't get her help. You know, mm-hmm. there could have been some, some intervention somewhere because she needed it. And and I also want to say that if she didn't have this stable loving environment that we had growing up, she would probably be so much worse. So much worse. She would be probably more overtly narcissist, where right now, oh, well, forever, she's definitely covert. Um, but I know she would be so much worse off if she didn't have us growing up. Um, so when we got into adolescence, things went to a different form, I guess, of abuse um, rather than like stealing my candy and all of that stuff. She switched it into emotionally abusing me in a weird way um, just by poking at me, saying weird little things about my looks, a lot about my look. She would shame me for being, getting a good genetic, getting the tall genes. I'm tall and thin and blonde and blah, blah, blah. Like, because it's true, her and I could not be more physically different. But she's beautiful, right? She absolutely is beautiful. And But for some reason, my existence and the way I looked was was a threat to her. Um, Yeah, so she would shame me a lot for that. But then it turned into, like, forcing me into situations that I shouldn't have been forced into. Things like... Locking me in a car with a boy and making me make out with this boy. When I didn't want to do that. Um, putting me through, I mean, that specifically happened a lot. She would put me in a basement with a boy and not let me come out. <laughs> so I guess in a way there was sexual abuse, but it was not by her hand, even if it was. Um, luckily... I wasn't ever raped. Um, The boys were young as well. It doesn't make it okay. Um, But this all uh, got to a point where we would go to a park, me and her and our group of friends. We'd go there at night, and she was 16. This was probably from 16 to 17, which would make me 14 to 15. Um, We would walk around the park. And then at some point there was a guy, a man, a man who would walk around the park holding a pack of beer and he would come up to us and say that he will give us this beer. If one of you guys would go make out with me and she would take the beer and give me, this happened two separate times Same guy. She took the beer and gave me to him. And in the middle of the night in a dark park, And she would go back to the car, her and the friends. I don't know why the friends would let this happen. And just let this man take me. Like, I don't know how he wasn't murdered. I don't know how he was raped. And then she wouldn't come and get me, even though the deal was 15 minutes. It would get to a point that this man, this awful man would say, we need to go find your sister. And he would take me to find her. That, as an adult looking back, is so horrific. But as a teen, I didn't know it wasn't normal. I didn't know that everybody's first experiences with this sort of thing weren't forced. I didn't. I didn't know. Um, and then, any time I didn't talk about it for a long time, but then. Like, as adults, I don't remember what would bring it up, but she probably honestly is the one that brought it up, um, making fun of it, saying how funny it was that she did this to me. And, yeah, everyone around us would be like, wait, what? That's disgusting. And then she stopped bringing it up because, you know, she didn't get the reaction she thought she would by doing such a horrific thing to her sister. Yet I still, I still wanted to be around her. I don't know. She would just do that sort of thing where like bringing up things that you shouldn't bring up to people. Like a friend, a guy friend who had a crush on me would walk into the house and the first thing she would say to him would be, Hey, if you grab her, if you grab her boobs, she'll just plop down on the ground. And I don't know how vulgar I need to be, (laughs) but basically give you oral sex, like things like that. She would just say these things that weren't even true, just using me, making me feel bad for existing, I guess, making it seem like my only purpose in life was for other people's sexual gratification that I wasn't a person I was a thing yeah so um, at some point I did realize that was wrong but it wasn't until probably I was married um, and when I would finally talk about it with my other my stable sister her husband my husband a, a few friends and at that point they would they were all disgusted. And there was guilt there from my stable sister and her husband. They got married when I was eight. So he's my brother, you know. Mm-hmm. Not brother, brother. Uh brother in law, I guess to say. <laughs> um, but me not having told them because I didn't know if any of this was wrong, you know, but if I would have told them then they would have rescued me, you know, they would have stopped it. So there's guilt there for, from them. There shouldn't be. It's misplaced. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, when you hear about these things that happen to your sister, it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my my adolescence. It revolves around a lot of that. So then I turned eighteen. <laughs> she got married. She had twins and was married by the time she was twenty. Um, so when I was 18, I moved out and I moved into her home. I don't know why. Uh, honest, I I don't understand. I, I don't understand why I did, but I did. Um, and luckily I did because she, uh, I don't, I don't want to say she's not a good mom, but she's not. hmm and her twins were heart babies. They were colicky. Um, she had at the I don't know at the time. I I thought it was postpartum depression into a postpartum psychosis type situation. I don't I don't know if that was it or if it was just her narcissism coming out in a different way because she realized that these tiny people they needed her. I don't know. Um, but luckily I was there. I saved those girls more than once. Literally. <laughs> because if I wasn't there and I couldn't have gone and taken one of those babies and calmed that baby down, like she, it would have been one of those horrible, horrible stories. And I wouldn't have my nieces. So I guess that's probably why I was there. On some level, maybe I knew that those girls needed me and my other sister, my stable sister. She would save them. And then we saved her. <laughs> we saved the toxic sister because the marriage disintegrated.
0: So at, at so, sorry. At, so, oh no. So, so I apologize for interrupting. So at this point, no, you're good. at this point you know you've been at first tormented in a bullying way mm-hmm. and then in a sexual abuse way and now mm-hmm. you are in your sister's home and is this where i guess unconsciously i you know really it's unconscious that you are now taking on the role of always having to save your sister, from problems that yes. she's created?
2: Yes.
1: It's right here. This is where my parents, our parents, said they didn't say it, but, you know, this is what they did. We raised her. She's 18, she's 20, whatever. And then they just wiped their hands of her. They were done. Not that they weren't present. They were present, but they didn't have any part in the rest of her life. As far as emotionally helping her, physically helping her, helping the children, all they would do was throw a hundred bucks at her. That's it. They think they that's it. They would just give her money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right here is when me and the stable sister stepped in. We became her parents. way, we became her saviors. We became the fixers. We pulled her out of... Countless situations that she got herself in, that she got her children in, because she was unsafe and they were unsafe. And we did this for years. This right here is where it shifted.
0: Did your sister resent you for all, even though she needed you to fix it, at the same Mm -hmm. time, did she then resent you for fixing it? Absolutely, okay, she
1: resented us immediately, and it was like she didn't ask for help if that makes sense. She would just tell us what was happening, like whine almost mm-hmm. that her life was terrible, she never asked, we just did it, you know we're like, oh, let me help you, I'll come help you we'll let's get through this um and then, as soon as it was as it was over, it was it was gone she didn't remember it anymore because. She resented us. If she had to admit that she needed help and that we helped her, that invalidated her. Like it, it, she, the resentment is strong.
0: <laughs> and, and for With you her, and you and, like and you and your older sister, I mean, it might have been different if there were no children there. But once children uh-huh. are involved, I mean, it's really hard to not yeah, be like, well, if we don't do anything, then these kids are going to uh, who who knows what's going to happen. So you're there. You're there no matter what. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yep. To a point that like when her first marriage fell apart and she had just the twin girls, my stable sister had to physically go to our parents' house and say, this is dangerous. I don't think that you're comprehending this. You need to pull her out. We have to pull her out. You have to let her live in your home things like that, like they wouldn't have helped her. I don't know what would have happened. And then, um, she lived there for a while. and she uh, got pregnant again and she has a son now, but in, in the midst of that, when she was pregnant, she was in another situation that she shouldn't have been and living somewhere that she shouldn't have been living. It's not like drugs or anything, just a toxic environment. And so my stable sister and her husband, my brother-in-law, Built a basement for her. They finished their basement that they couldn't really afford at that point, but they did it. They got themselves in a bind to, to save her, to save her kids. And then they lived there and she had her son. And then, probably six months, he was probably six months old, she bounced, left him high and dry, which, like, it. So basically she stopped paying rent or whatever. And they needed that because they built a basement for her. Mm -hmm. She just bounced with no care in the world. Never a thank you. She's never said thank you. Never. Because we didn't help her. Right.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to, hopefully I don't make this more confusing for everyone. I just want to circle back for one second about something, which is, which is you and your sister being there emotionally for, um, Mm For your toxic sister, and right. how, and how your uh-huh. and how your parents weren't there, and how your parents threw money at yes. it but didn't do anything about it. So, you know, in hindsight, you know, because everyone has hindsight of twenty twenty, looking back for yourself, <laughs> right. when it comes to your parents overall as parents, um, mm-hmm. good people, yes. Um, were they emotionally distant? Or, um, uh, I guess, emotionally distant would be one way of putting it. Or emotionally uh, neglectful, where it's not that they didn't love you; they just were um, didn't go and do maybe the extras that should have been done to um, think that everyone that was cared for. And um, you know, your relationship looking back, I guess, with them and with everyone is it as close as you thought it was or was now you're looking back there was a little something off even though that they are good people have you know for the most part in their minds have good intentions
2: yes just yes (laughs) that exact thing just
1: look yes they are great people they are good people at their core but did they protect us No. Did they see us? No. Did they try their hardest to get her the help that she needed? No. Which in turn, yes, they neglected us emotionally in every way, shape, and form. And And our relationship looking back is not what I thought it
0: was. And in the process of all that, unconsciously, it's fair to say Mm -hmm. that you being the youngest and the observer of everything and knowing how everyone acts mm-hmm. and reacts and can see everything, you unconsciously mm-hmm. became a parent for everyone.
1: In a way. Yeah.
0: Like, I, way. like my uh, parents are doing a
1: parent for her. Yeah. My parents aren't oh, you doing their I job. Accepted. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to do yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was me and the stable sister. We became the parents. Okay. The stable sister was the parent growing up, right? Okay. She was always in a parenting role. As we were both adults though, yes, we oh. were, we are the parents of that family, the whole family. Yes.
0: <laughs> and, and parents to your we parents. We took care of
1: everybody. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Parents to our parents. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Yes. I know exactly what's going on. I have everything. Okay.
1: <laughs> right. It's, this is us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we became the parents. We protected them. Um, we shielded them from her and then I guess we'll just go back to where I was
0: at. Yes, um, I apologize.
1: no, you're good. You're good. It's good to clarify because I don't, when it's your own story, you don't know how, like what you're missing or how the pieces are falling together. So, um, right around the time that she lived with, when was it? So I've been with my husband for 12 years. So in that whole time thing when she was pregnant again and um, right before that, it gets confusing. I know. But so I met my husband in there. In this whole midst of adulthood, I met my husband. Um, the second he met her, I don't know. I don't know if you've experienced this, but there are certain people who can immediately feel it. They can feel that something's off with this person. Something's bad about this person. Um, and that was him. He saw her immediately and she knew he saw her immediately. And so that's been an ongoing issue for my whole marriage is he doesn't like her (laughs) and then she's forever the underdog. She is forever the victim. So then the rest of the family would be like, why is he being mean? Why is he being mean to her? All of this. And I would, I would get mad at him because this was before I finally was like, wait, wait this would stop. So I would get mad at him and I would break down his boundaries, which looking back makes me feel like an, an asshole. I'm a terrible person for doing that to him, um, but he loves me. So he would keep coming around. He would keep trying. He would be civil at least. And then, um yeah. So we had a daughter, our oldest, and then we had our second daughter, Um, so we had our second daughter when her son, but she had had, he was one when we had our second daughter. Um, and I was actually living in the stable sister's home at this point because we were kind of in between places and then we could help dig them out a little bit. Um, because again, she bounced. So I was living in the stable sister's basement with my husband and my two daughters, um, And then at um, five months old, we very suddenly and tragically lost our middle, our second daughter. Um, She died from a lung infection. It was very fast. And it, I mean, obviously the worst thing that's ever happened to our family, to me, to us. And that, that event shifted everything to a point that, I realized that I don't know these people other than my stable sister and my brother was there for a while. He was, he was there when it mattered, but not for long. So that event is the event that caused this (laughs) where I'm not going to have relationships that are not authentic. I'm not going to have fake relationships. I'm not going to give more than I get because you don't know how long you have and You better make it worth it, you know, even if that means you have four people in your life, at least they're your people. So the grief stuff has been a big strain between all of us. She tried her hardest to make my grief the death of my child about her, which is crazy, right? That's crazy. This is my child. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. This is this is my grief. This is this is mine. But she would make it about her. How bad it hurt her. How she always took her pictures. Things like that. And then, as soon as she couldn't do any of that anymore, she was not there. She left my life. Kind of. Um, she just she just wasn't there. Same thing for my parents. It was uncomfortable to see me so sad. So they didn't, and I've, I'm closed off to them because they're not a safe spot for me. And I think that made them uncomfortable because they know, they knew at their core that they don't have me and that they couldn't help me and they couldn't comfort me because they're not allowed to, because they never did. Um, so I lost, I lost them all kind of at that point, even though they were physically there, we were physically a family. It felt like I lost, I lost them or I realized I never had them. Um, and it, and honestly, this was, I, mean, I don't remember a lot of it, <laughs> the trauma of it. It's very, very fuzzy. Um, but my stable sister ended up having to move away about six months after my child died. And I, again, I was living in her home. This was an event that affected my entire family and her entire family, including her children. It shifted our world, and she had to move, and it was awful for all of us. But somehow she still supported me a lot. She's the only one who was there for me and my family during this time. And she's the glue that held us all together, so when she was physically not here, it was like they didn't have to be there. They didn't have to talk to us unless it was events like birthdays and stuff, holidays. So yeah, that that's when it started. That was actually her birthday was what's today, the day the twenty first. Her birthday is August nineteenth, my daughter. And she would have been seven. So two days ago, she would have been seven. So it's been that long. Um so she died in January. So it's six and a half years of this um. Yeah. So um, after that happened, just a lot of the same, a lot of the same, spouting off about how hard she has it, and us jumping in to rescue her, only for it to be forgotten right? and not seen by the rest of our family. It turned into like I like to call us the invisible ones. The ones that are there, but we are not seen for what we've done and what we do. Um, Yeah, and then we're here, Uh, (laughs) I guess. And it's hard to explain even what here is and why it took us so long to get here. And really, it's because the kids, once kids are involved, how how do I walk away? How do I walk away from these tiny, innocent people that need us because we're stable, we're safe we're there and they know that we are so i how did how could we abandon them so that's why it took so so long to get to where we're at and now where we are is that we've lost our entire family because she has somehow created this fake narrative and um such as like a smear campaign of all smear campaigns to the rest of our family to people who don't know us everybody
0: so to, has- that, so to explain that so to explain it to everyone yourself and okay. <laughs> your your um your stable sister have uh-huh. now uh are on one side, and your mother father a, um, a, a toxic sister and brother are on the other side
1: yes yes so um yeah, we, my stable sister and I put up some boundaries about a year ago is when it really heated up. We put boundaries up. We refused to engage with her on any of her manufactured chaos anymore. And it was going okay for a second. And then she got into a relationship. um, And as soon as she got into that relationship, she stopped talking to us. It's like we were literally gone from her brain because she didn't need us. So she threw us in the garbage. So then we called her on it because we're her sisters, you know, she's our sister. Why can't we have a relationship um, that doesn't surround only you, only the toxic sister needing our help and us jumping in? So once we called her on her silence and her lack of involvement, not that she was super involved before, but you know what I mean? Like she just didn't speak to us anymore. We called her on it. And she flipped that into us, not giving her the time to figure out her new normal and all of these things, even though we did do that. We, we did understand that. We did tell her, you know, this is going to take some adjustment. We're going to give you that time. Let us know how it goes and all of that. So that went on for too long. We called her on it. She decided that we're, we were not being supportive or at least decided to make everybody else think that. And then things got kind of better for a second because we just we just bowed down to her again. You know, it's easier just to let her let her be. But then it kept going on and on and on in that same way. And the, uh, I guess, straw that broke the camel's back is when our friend who are all of us. So there's two friends. I'll say friend one, friend two, me, stable sister, and toxic sister. We have been a friend group for years. So um, friend one had kindly offered to help her pay for something, but um, toxic sister waited so long, procrastinated so long that this thing would have been double the cost to get it in time. So friend one was like, I don't, I can't give you that money. You know, that's more than double what I said I could help you with. And that was the end of the world. You know, it made her feel shame, made her feel bad. And she can't feel bad. That's not possible for a narcissist. It's not in their vocabulary. They cannot feel bad because then they're not valid. So she went to... Friend two, the toxic sister went to friend two to try to get validation that friend one is a jerk. Friend two was like, nah, you're a jerk (laughs) in so many words. Like she, she kind of it around it, you know? Um, And so then that made toxic sister even more crazy. So then she went to, to stable sister to try to get her to validate that friend one was being mean, or whatever. (laughs) And then um, she didn't. Stable Sister is not the one to go to if you don't want the truth. So she did. She told her the truth. And then it turned into, uh, you know, her just saying, you are not entitled to this money. And then Toxic Sister got mad. And it kind of went back and forth. And then Toxic Sister sent the longest text I've ever seen. I mean, I'm talking it would be pages of Microsoft Word documents, like like seven pages. It was the most insanely long text I've ever seen, spouting off about how we have never seen her as an equal. We have never asked her for parenting advice. She's always projected that she is the underdog, and we have eaten that narrative up and spit it back out to everybody uh, out of nowhere like we don't even know what this is yeah that was in February that text and there's so many teeny tiny things from there we went no she just stopped talking to us from there and
0: <sighs>
1: smeared us to our parents and
0: our brother so and they w- believe him yes yeah, so her. sorry, sorry w- her. so when it comes to your parents and now your brother, uh-huh. um, they're mm-hmm. taking, uh, her side, uh, of everything and your brother as well. So, um, that, that, um, has put, I guess, a, um, wedge in between your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, it, you know, she, she's playing as she's been the victim their whole life, her whole life. And, Uh Uh um, your parents are agreeing that like, this is what happened the whole life or they just are, they have no idea what happened. Um, yeah. So
1: it's not necessarily that they're agreeing with her narrative that we have made her look like the underdog her whole life per se. Um, but what it is, is that she decided to tell them that our friend one and friend two have, um, turned me and stable sister against her. Okay. I don't know where it came from. Like truly she made it up completely because she ghosted them and then us. So, yeah. So she has told, she, that's where it started is she told our parents that we abandoned her and turned on her, betrayed her for our friends. And they believed it immediately. They didn't ask us. They just believed her.
0: And and your parents That's are it? are pretty much saying here, and this is my guess, that just apologize to her. Let's just sweep this under the yes. rug. Let it all go away. Yes. All you guys have to do is apologize uh-huh. to her, and this will all go away. Yep. Just apologize. Yep.
1: yep. Just eat it. Just apologize. It's fine. So then we didn't do that.
0: <laughs> so your we didn't par- do it. your parents, ha- your parents have. Uh, enabled and um, no matter what happens with your sister, they just want to get it over with as fast as possible. Just apologize to her. Let her behavior continue.
1: Yes. Yes, okay. they've enabled. They continue to enable and the faster they can sweep it under the rug, the faster it's over and forgotten and everything's fine.
0: And where's yes. your brother <laughs> within this dynamic?
1: Who freaking knows where my brother is? Okay. I don't I don't know. Okay, He's a boy, right? That's what we've always said. He's a boy. He's oblivious. No, he's not. He's in denial. He doesn't want to deal with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: so that's what happened to, to really, really put the um, fuel on the fire.
0: Yeah. So um, now, so this happened, and you guys are all in. You're no contact at all with everyone.
1: Mostly, but not necessarily. So there's more.
0: Oh, okay. This is not even it. Oh, okay. Continue. <laughs> <Or> continue. <tour.
1: laughs> I know. It's, being, it's just all of these tiny things that have exploded. So um, then we tried to go talk to our parents because we wanted to fix it. We wanted it to be validated and heard. But also, we don't need to apologize, right? She needs to apologize. What have we done? And nobody can say what we've done. They don't know because she doesn't know because she made it up. Um, so we went over and talked to them. So, sister. Sable sister and I went over to our parents' house and talked to our mom and dad. It was just us four. And it didn't go well at first. They were obviously very defensive. Um, our mother has a really, really hard time uh, understanding things, seeing things from other people's perspectives. I think she has a few of these traits, but she it, it was is broken in a way. From her childhood, that's a whole different story. Um, so she's not able to really understand, comprehend, or accept any fault of her own or any um, responsibility she has for who toxic sister is at this point. So she has a really hard time with that. And then our dad just wants to protect her and gets defensive as well. So it went in circles for a little bit, um, but by the end of it, we felt okay. We felt like maybe they hurt us, maybe. They would talk to us because literally the only thing we ask from our parents is just when she comes over spouting her bullshit, sorry, then just call us and ask us our, ask us our side and then figure out what's true and what's not, because we're not perfect. We apologize when we're wrong. It's something I pride myself in. I can apologize. Um, And then we left with hugs and all of these things. And then the next day, Toxic sister went over there and suddenly it turned into we attacked our parents. Our parents decided that we came over and just attacked them. Um and we didn't. But she they told our grandma that, they told our aunt that, our uncle that, like they've become flying monkeys for her. They've they've turned into her flying monkeys where she has smeared us in such a way that they are going around and telling everybody else that this is what's happening and it's all of our fault. Just sister stable sister and I it's all our fault. All of this is us. We're not in our right headspace. <laughs> That's their favorite thing to say. We are not in our right headspace and they are giving us time. And then <laughs> and then um my family, my my little family, my husband and kids and Able sister, her husband and kids, we decided to get away for a weekend, a long weekend. We went up to like a cabin on a lake and we didn't tell any of them because we're not talking to them. They're not speaking to us. But then they found out, of course, my husband posted a picture or something. Not even to be mean, you know, just his family's out having fun. So, and then they found out and it was like the worst thing in the world we could have done to them, I guess. And Toxic Sister twisted that into we left her kids out. They were the only cousins that didn't get to go on this trip, but that's that's because the only other cousins are my kids and Stable Sister's kids, right? Um, so she twisted that narrative. And then she decided to twist it even more. She decided to, and I don't know, maybe she was sick. But she decided to say that there is a chance that she might have this possible health issue. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The current situation in the world. She decided that she might have that because she's sick and she has a fever. And this was pertinent information for us because not a week before we went away, we went to our parents' house for Father's Day. We were civil. We were all in the same place because our dad, we love him. We went to Father's Day. We were in the same small confined space with this person who might have this health issue. Meaning we could have had it. Our kids could have had it. They didn't tell us. They decided we didn't need to know that we could just go ahead and go around town Possibly spreading this. They didn't tell us. We only knew because we have a cousin who told us because she knew we were around them. So we just gave them time. We took our weekend. We waited and waited and waited to see if they would tell us. Because, I mean, it went as far as she went and got a test and everything. And then we got home on like a Tuesday, I think. They still hadn't told us anything. And so then stable sister one called them <laughs> and it didn't go well. Um, she's upset, of course. It felt like a betrayal. Like these are these are your your daughters and your son in laws and your grandchildren that have possibly put been put at risk. One of your grandchildren has died of a lung infection. Like, how are you not telling us this, even just because of our family history, what we've all been through? They didn't tell us. So she called them. And, it's, you know, she said how unforgivable it is, but that turned into both of our parents screaming at her in, like, a very, very degrading way. Like, talk to her like she was less than, like, a dog. Like, it was terrible, the way they spoke to her. Um, so then she hung up on them and called me. And I am not one to get heated. I am very closed off. I don't wear my ceilings on the outside. So for me to yell at somebody is a big deal. I just don't. And I called my mom, and I screamed to her in a way I've never screamed at anybody before or since or hopefully ever again. (laughs) Um, The conversation ended with me telling her, um, because she likes to say, we're done, right? We're done with our sister. So I told her, you think that you know what done looks like but you don't. This is what Don's going to look like. Tell me what that test is. And then I never want to speak to you again, (laughs) which is not necessarily true. But at that point, it was like the betrayal, the hurt, all of it, because she literally said to my stable sister that the reason that she did not tell us that they did not tell us is because we We wouldn't care anyways because we don't even like or love toxic sister anymore. So why would we care what's happening to her health? I just don't even know. That was in July, early July. And since then, nothing's really happened, but nothing's changed. I have not spoken to toxic sister in months. Um, It's been a hit or miss with the rest of the family. There's like a text group that has everybody. It's called everybody. So it's parents and all four siblings in there um, that they will text in every so often about like uh, like the brother's new house type of things. Acting like everything's normal, hoping that by acting normal that it will be normal at some point. But really all it's doing is making us see that this is not normal.
0: <laughs> I know. Once you start acting normal and everyone starts acting normal, then it's like it never happened.
1: Yes. And eventually we'll get back into our right headspace. We'll apologize So for breaking our mother's heart and for abandoning our sister.
0: Does your mom use those lines? Um, yes. Okay. Yep. So... Yes.
1: She told our aunt and grandma that we have broken her heart that all stable sister does is scream at her and i hate her <laughs> i don't she made these up i don't hate my mother i've never hated her um stable sister does not yell at her unless there's a reason to <laughs> and, and if anything she's broken our heart
0: so you know we're dealing here with a family where the sister has ruled the roost. And now over time, we're able to see more of what our parents have in them, you know, that you didn't know they had in them Mm -hmm. uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, for a lot of people who live in a dysfunctional family that is, Similar with these similar types of personalities, you have. Eventually, you you make the choices of do I do I keep a relationship with everyone? What is the level of the relationship? Is it a gray rock relationship? Yeah. How much do I give of myself? Yeah. What can I do? Yeah. And, or do I completely cut it off? And, and you know, you're in a place where it sounds like you know you love your family, and you want. To still have them in your life in some capacity um, right and especially for your nieces and your yeah. and your nephew, because it sounds like if you're not around, maybe uh, the parents or the uh, parents of those children on the other side. Might not be doing their job either. I'm not sure about the stability of the the, uh, the no. parents.
1: No, and he is he is my sister. He is okay. Not it's not going to be good. And so, honestly, I want to be there for him because I love him. We love him, but mostly I need to to be able to tell my nieces that I see them. I know what's happening. I'm here. I don't think they realize it, right? So yeah. when they realize it, I need them to know that I'm here.
0: That you're just a phone call away whenever, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you, you they need the or whatever. And, you know, do you <laughs> feel that, and I'm sure this for a lot of people out there, do you, because we're getting to into a lot of different things soon, uh, but for this specific thing, <laughs> do you feel like <laughs> you're... Going behind your sister's back by being there for your 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 nieces and nephews and your nephew. Yeah. And you feel, yeah, ter- I do. And you feel to terrible. To that point,
1: like I do. So uh, something happened with one of the girls and um, like a dog, like a dog. It's ter- it's so sad. Her dog died in her arms. Right. So um, we have always had the kind type of relationship with the kids that we can kind of just pop by, check on them, see how they are with like, and toxic sister wouldn't care to know because she doesn't care about her kids. She doesn't love them as a mother loves their children. It's a different thing. Um, so we've always had that relationship with the kids. And so stable sister and I popped by, this was about a month ago, I'd say um, popped by to give the, you know, give her a hug say i'm so sorry that happened that's so awful and like it's we like a soda and a treat or something um and then we left and got on with our day like it was nothing where in the back of my mind we i kind of knew like Ugh, i'm not talking to their mother was that okay um and then later that night the talk sister sent us this cool, calm, calculated text, which is not a way that she speaks about how the kids were so happy to see us. So kind of you to bring that to them. But next time, could you give me a heads up? And it was like a shot to the gut. Like, oh, this is real. I might lose them. And that's been, honestly, that is the only reason that I will hopefully someday rebuild something with the rest of my family and gray rock her. Mm -hmm. That's my end goal because the kids, it's not their fault, you know?
0: And so as far as you go mentally, you know, how have you been working with, uh, how long have you been working with a therapist?
1: I have been working with my therapist. Um, I ended up, Going to her for grief-related things, Mm -hmm. Um, trauma, grief, rage, you know, that whole thing. And that was, I want to say, oh, God, how long has it been that I've been going to her? Um, Probably two years.
0: Okay. Two and a half, maybe. So Mm -hmm. two years ago you know, even though we're at the point where we are now and, and this'll this probably it sounds like this is going to be, you know, this is just gonna be a lifelong this is how I have to deal with them. This is the way I go about things. They're in my life. It seems like that's the the type yeah. of life you want to have. Um yes. so yeah. So yeah, absolutely. so absolutely so two years ago, you know, you were you went there to talk to a therapist and I assume this is when your eyes started to open about a lot of things that had gone on, <laughs> um, and were, I, you know, so in, in a way you've been through this, going through this process for two years, um, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and the healing process already has taken place for two years. So what have you learned, you know, about how, like the way you are, how it has affected you mm-hmm. And the maybe the negative habits that you've picked up that you wanted to change um, because right. of it. And, you know, maybe there are certain deficiencies. Uh, I use the word deficiencies. I don't mean it in that that way. But no, certain...
1: no I am very much deficient
0: in certain ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, For sure. <laughs> but, you know, certain things that are, are you now because of what has happened, things that you want to change, mm-hmm. things that you know, won't change. Yeah. I mean, things that you're okay right. with, um, and, and the struggles of living within, you know, really an unknown, but known toxic environment with this person with some sort of disorder that has narcissistic traits going on, or they're right. just, you know, this person has had a major chip on their shoulder or have created that, um, <laughs> that, um, persona for themselves and then right um having parents that didn't step up to the plate and do any sort of protection uh for you which gives a whole other dynamic of technically no they they didn't abuse you in one way but they let someone mm-hmm. abuse you so i mean they didn't do their yes. job or yeah you know, they, they weren't your, your, your parents. So, uh, what uh, I, I threw in a million questions there, so I don't know how you even begin <laughs> to answer it. So, um,
1: I will try my best. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> so yeah, it's a few years ago that I started with my therapist and she, she planted the seeds, right? So she helped me, um, navigate a lot of my trauma with the death of my daughter um and then as we uncovered layers we realized that there's other traumas there that i didn't know were traumas um as i talked about my family with her and she let me speak for a long time and then (laughs) during one session she she just looked at me and said you have a very unhealthy family dynamic (laughs) and i said no my family's great So that was a start right there, too. Like, I I had to actually start processing the fact that this is all unhealthy and it's not normal. Um, So then I, as far as traits go, I have a hard time labeling it because I don't, I don't need people's help. That's one of the problems. (laughs) It's one of my traits. If I put a label to something, that means somebody has to help me with it and I don't want anybody to help me. That's a big one. I don't want to rely upon anybody because I never had, or I never got to. I guess I never had to. I never got to rely on anybody. So I'm not going to rely on anybody. I can do it by myself, even though I can't. There's a lot of things I can't do by myself. I do need help. I do need help being a mother because being a mother is hard. And it's really hard for me personally because I having people be around me all the time is incredibly difficult for me. I wouldn't even say I'm an introvert per se. Like it's not that I don't like people. It's not like I I feel uncomfortable in social situations or anything like that. But at the end of the day, I sometimes all the time need to be alone in the quiet. (laughs) Um, I could live as a hermit. I could absolutely live as a hermit. And I hate even saying that because I love my family but there's times when I need to hermit away for a little bit. And I know that that is because of what I went through because I got no protection. So the only way I was able to protect myself was to hide by myself away from everybody. And that's the only time I ever felt safe was when I was alone hiding. So that's one of them. (laughs) Um, It's just, I, I feel like I should be better. I should, not react in the ways that I react um, sometimes my reactions are still
0: over like
1: overreaction I shouldn't be so annoyed by that sound you, I shouldn't be so annoyed because
0: oh go ahead do you have a hard time with expressing anger yes and when you do, and when you <laughs> because, do and when you do express anger because you're told you're allowed to be angry and because you're new uh-huh. at expressing anger, does it come out wrong? Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> it comes out very wrong. Um, a lot of times it comes out in like one rage-filled burst. And then it, and then I'm able to be like, wait, 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 wait stop, stop, stop. I'm going to go, I'm an adult. I'm a grown-up. I'm a mother. This is, un- this is inappropriate. This is over-exaggerated. I'm not angry at this. I'm angry at all of the other things. And it's coming out because of this one trigger. I'm working on it. That's one of the
0: things. You're, you're doing cheating. a lot of work, just so everyone knows. Yeah, uh, Lacey and I are twins. <laughs> Sorry, I said Lacey. Oh, Daily D- 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 and I are two twins. <laughs> yes, Daily. I'm Daily. Yeah, yes. we are twins.
1: We have the exact
0: same. We L- our person. Our situation. personality is. Um, we're. I mean, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. We
1: are pretty, we're pretty close. We have a lot of the same things. And like, I can, I can bet you, we have, if I sent you this, this questionnaire that I had to take, you would, you would get 17 out of 22 or more, just like I did.
0: So are you, um, you have, have, there's a lot of things you're, seems like you're working on. Um, Mm -hmm. For things like that, you're like, I'll get there. I'll get to that thing. But like I'm doing these yeah. thing, I'm doing these things first, you know. Let's try and uh-huh. let's not try and do twenty different things. Let's work on one thing yeah. at a time, or like two things at a time, and then yep. and, 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 and kind of move forward. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, thirty two years of living in a specific way, um, or at least thirty, and now you're trying to create boundaries, which is probably is that your first thing that you're doing, uh, working on the most.
1: Yeah. That's where – yeah, this is – the boundary is where it started a year ago, that we did a boundary, and now we're here, and we've kept it. I'm proud of us. This is my stable sister and I. I'm so proud that we've been able to keep the boundary. But But I'm also heartbroken that it's gotten us to this point.
0: And so so boundaries would be – Number one, which is a lifelong thing because, you know, people who are like this love to try and knock down your, your boundaries every chance they your get. Your
1: boundaries, yeah.
0: They don't respect <laughs> yeah. one. So that was, that
1: was the first thing, Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, and, and, and that in itself is exhausting um, to have yes. someone never listen, being like, this is my boundary, mm-hmm. and still, you know, they're not going to... Listen. They just—it's like you never even mm-hmm. said the boundary, and they'll still try and do whatever they do. You might get a reprieve for a little yep. bit, but then again, they'll do it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's tiring to always having it to is. have your um your uh lock or like the door shut. You know, always be on guard. It's—it's it's tiring. Um, yeah,
1: it is exhausting. And then when she's not able to break them down, she goes to everybody else. Has them break them down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's been the the thing, the cycle. When we finally stand our ground, but now
2: so that's then, not
0: so, then so then you say your mom tries to do the work for them. When are you going to talk to your yeah. sister again? Yeah. How come you're not talking yeah. to your sister again? Mm-hmm. When are you going to do you that? You've abandoned
1: you- her. She's oh, her famous thing is she's ours. Uh, that's what she'll say to us. She's ours. So we have to go. We have to help her. She's yeah. ours. She's the underdog. All of that. I'm like, well, I'm yours. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. A, yeah that, yours, that, that, that must be very hurtful to it is. have your mom not even cons- or consider your feelings at all during these times as if yours didn't matter.
2: Right.
0: Which, exactly. is, re- which, yeah, is, re-traumat- even- which is, you know, you're 32 now, which is re-traumatizing from your childhood. It is. Yeah.
1: It is absolutely. It, every time she says that, it, that's what it is. It re-traumatizes us to our childhood. We're like, yeah, well, she's always been yours, and we never have been. And it's like she sees this manufactured chaos that toxic sister has, again, manufactured. But then the actual real-life things that I have been through, that stable sister have been through, we have had a hell of a few years, yet none of that is real, none of that. It, the compassion, the grace. She says that a lot too. Give them grace. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We don't get any of that because our stuff is real and our stuff hurts. hurt. You can't hide from it. Once you you finally dive in, she knows once it's real, it's real. And she can't do real. And neither can my dad. Mm
0: -hmm. You can't do real. So at this point, um, you are where you are and what is next for you personally to work on or things that you want to fix?
2: So, um,
1: I think the next point, um, actually had therapy yesterday. (laughs) I was talking to our therapist and, um, she told me I need to change my narrative because I automatically stayed in my brain. Like this is forever. That's it. Nothing's ever going to change. And she wants me to start saying for now and yet. So this is what it is for now. They haven't done this yet. So basically I have to try not to be so pessimistic. Um, not that I need to give them any more of myself, but just, you know, don't feel like everything is final. Because in the big picture, six months is not that long. When you compare it to 32 years, 34, because toxic is 34. Mm -hmm. This is 34 years of a pattern, you know, so it's not going to be broken right away. Um, And then outside of that, I'm going to call out my brother. (laughs) I have a very long letter written to him. Um, Once I feel ready, once I've accepted what um, the best outcome would be for me and what the worst outcome from that would be. Once I've accepted both of those possibilities, then I will send it in the mail. Like I live in 1925, I'm going to send him a letter. I'm not going to text him. I'm not going to email him. I'm not going to go over to his house because I can't do it in person. I'm going to mail him a letter, and it's harsh and heartbreaking. And I'm hoping he'll see us. I'm I'm hoping he'll see us and that he's just decided to live in denial rather than take her side, if that makes sense. So those are the things that are next on my list.
0: And I guess before we end off our show, uh, for those people who mm-hmm. might be going through the exact same thing as you, what um, do you have to say to them?
1: Uh, um, what I have to say to them is, I'm sorry that you've gone through this. And that your life has been harder than it needs to be. Um, and when you finally realize that this is what's happened, don't blame yourself. Just look at, just go back to when you were a little kid. See yourself as that scared little, scared little kid. Give yourself some love and some compassion, and then do the work. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to get it from them, and you know that you're not going to get it from them. So you got to get it for yourself. And
2: it's hard. It's hard.
0: Well, Daly, I want to thank you for being on the show today and for talking with me and sharing your story. Because a lot of people who uh, are going through this, um, especially when it comes to a sibling, and then really in the whole entire family, like kind of later on in life, when you Mm -hmm. really get to see the big picture, I know your story is going to help a lot of people. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on uh, the show today.
1: Thank you for giving me the opportunity to word vomit all of this out. Hopefully it helps somebody.
0: (laughs) It will. And um, just, um, you know, thank you. Uh, And we've talked for a long time, um, so I got to know mm-hmm. pretty well and, um, so yeah. thank you for being here and for everyone else out there who mm-hmm. is listening, I hope you have a good night.